Welcome back to The Federal Drive with Tom Temin here on Federal News Network. Earlier this month, the Federal Acquisition Regulation Council, the FAR Council, finalized new, more stringent rules for U.S. content in what agencies buy. But the whole regime is not quite as strict as it might seem at first glance. For what it does mean to contracting officers and to contractors, we turn to a partner and the head of the contracts group at the law firm Miller & Chevalier, Jason Workmaster. Mr. Workmaster, good to have you back. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Tom. Thanks so much for having me back. And you have written extensively about this. What do we take away from all of this? Because things are either made in the United States or they're not. And yeah. it's not as if the United States has been buying all of its shells from China that right. they fire at the Russians or something. But tell us what this all means. All of this domestic preference stuff goes way back, back even to the 1930s. You know, there's always been, you know, this strain within, you know, government procurement that we want to buy stuff that's made America to the greatest extent possible. And, you know, these various rules and regulations have been around for a while to codify that concept. But one thing that's important right off the bat to note with all this stuff, I'll talk some more about the specifics of the various statutes that are out there, but just to set the stage here. The Buy America stuff is only one piece of the puzzle. You know, we have a lot of trade agreements, you know, with a lot of countries around the world where the basic premise of those is, you know, those other countries that we have trade agreements with, you know, they get to participate in the government procurement market, just like an American company. And so, you know, the Trade Agreements Act is another statute that's out there. And that regime where American companies and American goods are basically on par with goods that are made overseas, that regime governs the vast majority of procurements by the federal government. Again, they're subject to treaties. You know, treaties are on the same par as like sure. the Constitution itself. So it's important to remember that. There's been a lot of talk about Buy America, but it's important to note if you're a federal contractor out there, by and large, if you're in a procurement that's $170,000, $180,000 or more, you're not going to be dealing with Buy America. You're going to be on the same playing field as all of our trading partners. Now, it's important to note one of those trading partners that we're signed up to is not China. It's not India. So those goods you know, are not subject. You know, you're not competing on the same playing field. What about Japan? Japan is, you know, Japan and the UK and, you know, you think of Western Europe, Australia, you know, there's lots of countries that are on, they're called designated countries, lots of countries on the designated countries list that you're on par with under our trade agreements. That's kind of setting the stage. All that said, there has been a lot of focus on Buy American, which is Buy American. That goes back to the 30s. And another thing that's important to note here, when Buy American which applies to federal procurements, or Buy America. So it's, it's, it's kind of, it gets very confusing quickly. Buy America applies to like highways, you know, Department of Transportation, where the money, it's federal money. So you think about the recent infrastructure bill. You know, that money is going to go down to the states, and the states are actually going to use that money to conduct the procurements. Now, it's going to come with federal strings attached to it, and one of those is going to be Buy America, but in both that world and in federal procurement, when you're you know under that 180,000 bucks and you're subject to buy American, it's only a price preference. You know it doesn't prohibit the government from buying. This is this is another thing that gets kind of lost when you hear people talk about this. It doesn't actually prohibit the government from buying non-American stuff. What it does is it establishes that when the government goes to evaluate price, it gives the American-made product a price preference. 
And so when the government's making, you know, making its evaluation decision, the American made good is going to have, you know, 20, 30, up to right. even if it's a small business, it's going to have a price preference when the government's doing its evaluation. But it is not a strict prohibition. So this is all a balancing among then first the size of the contract and what laws actually yes. apply, yes. then this pricing ballet, and yes. then you have to avoid certain countries, period, because they're evil countries or they don't have agreements <laughs> right. with us. Right. Right. right, right, right. All right. Well, that's good groundwork. We're speaking with Jason Workmaster. He's a partner and the head of the contracts group at the law firm Miller & Chevalier. So does this practically change anything? Well, let me ask you about this. Let me ask you specific. In the infrastructure bill, states will be building, what they say, bridges and so forth. A lot of infrastructure is built with not only steel structures, but pre-made steel construction elements. Like when they built the ballpark, you know, they built whole stands pre-assembled that came on a ship already right, right. bolted together from Korea. Right. Right. What does the infrastructure bill have to do now if people are buying components that are semi-finished out of, say, right. steel I-beams for some yeah. piece of infrastructure? So for the infrastructure work, again, you know, you're going to be dealing with a lot of money there that's going to be given to the states through grants from the Department of Transportation. So that in general means you're going to be dealing with the Buy America regime. And in general, that regime requires the recipient's federal money from DOT to purchase U.S. produced steel, iron, and Tom, to your point, manufactured products. And now the specific list of you know what that's going to be, that's going to be tied to exactly what grant, uh, you know, and who's sure. administering the money. I mean, it's, it's going to get more complicated than that. But as a general proposition, you know, the price preference here is going to apply to manufactured products, you know, the kind you were just mentioning, in addition to like raw materials like iron and steel. Right, because someone could buy half of a bridge pre-made and buy the two halves yep. and just weld them together on site as opposed <laughs> right. to building it like an erector set where you buy all the little sticks right. and, and then there's the labor and union requirement, but that's another story. And I right, guess. that's right, exactly, exactly. And, and what about electronics? Because the government buys so much electronics, and that's always been a question. Well, can I buy a Toshiba laptop? Because it's Toshiba, but it might be assembled in China, where most right. of them are. So, how does that all change if it does? So, uh, yeah. So, IT procurements are not subject to this. Any of the stuff we're talking about with Buy America. You know, IT is not uh, subject to these rules. Now, it is going to be subject to, you know, what I was talking about before, trade agreements. And when you look across the past 20, 30 years where the government has purchased, of course, a lot of IT, where folks get tripped up in that space, you know, again, you know, I'm representing contractors and there's been actually a lot of litigation over the past few decades a lot of IT is purchased through something called the GSA Schedules Program. Oh, yes. And that program is subject to the Trade Agreements Act requirements, which means you cannot sell from non-designated countries, one of which is the People's Republic of China. And so, you know, there, you know, that has generated a lot of, you know, litigation and investigations and that kind of stuff over the course of time, because, you know, allegedly Chinese made goods have, you know, snuck through the schedules, you know, made their way into the sure. hands of government agencies. And so that is a problem. But it's not a Buy America problem. It's a Trade Agreements Act problem. Because you do see products from time to time that you would assume are made in China and are surprised sometimes to see they're made in America. Pencils, for example, are made right. in the United States. I guess the government still buys a lot of pencils, whatever a pencil commodity costs. Well, right. Well, and, and that's a good example. You know, pencils are something that, you know, uh, if the, when the threshold is 170, 180,000 bucks, your pencil procurements are going to be underneath that. 
I think it would be an unusual procurement where the government's buying $200,000, $250,000 worth of pencils. You know, th- those will be smaller purchases. And so the smaller purchases are going to be subject to Buy America. So you know, it's interesting what you were just saying, Tom. I mean, where you see the supply chain of all these various products, it very much does kind of tie to okay, is the procurement going to be under the threshold or over the threshold? Because if it's under the threshold, you are going to see more of a domestic industrial base. And uh, when you get out of the office, though, of federal agencies and say get into the fleets where you might have a fleet of 100 cars or 500 cars or someday 200,000 electric, say, postal vehicles, and they all need new batteries, that's going to be a multi-million dollar purchase. That will, yes. Yeah, then you're going to be out of Buy America. You're going to be in Trade Agreements Act land. Right. So it's worthwhile for every nation that wants to sell the United States, the good guys, that is, the Australias, to maybe get into that business so they can sell brake pads and batteries to U.S. government fleets. Yes. Yes. So what advice are you giving contractors then? It is. And again, I mean, we put out advisories on it. You know, all the, you know, the government contracts, you know, shops have put out advisories. You know, as you mentioned, the FAR Council put out a final rule just earlier this month that is, you know, on the universe of procurements to which Buy American applies, it is going to make it more difficult to demonstrate that what you're selling is made in America. So, you know, what it's going to do is it's going to increase you know, so the, the, the Buy American test, there's a, it's a two-part test. and You have to demonstrate the thing was you know, mined or manufactured in the United States. And then you have to look at the cost of the components of the finished product. And currently, you have to demonstrate that 55% is domestic U.S. content. That is going to increase in October to 60%. So that domestic content requirement is going to go up. And then under this final rule, it's going to keep going up to 65% by 2024 and then to 75% by 2029. And so if you're selling, again, if my advice to contractors, look at your track record of the size of the procurements that you're competing for. And if you're competing for procurements that are, and and it's going to be easy to tell, if you're subject to the Buy American requirements, you're going to look at your solicitations. You're going to see the Buy American clauses in your solicitation. So it shouldn't be difficult to figure out if you're playing in this world. And, And one other thing that's important to note here, Tom, kind of regardless, this is one thing where there is, for all the very many differences between the previous administration and this administration, this is one thing they actually agree on. You know, under the Trump administration, uh, President Trump had taken a lot of steps towards, you know, increasing the requirements on Buy American. Uh, and that's just continued under the Biden administration. It's really been just very similar approach to this. So kind of regardless of what happens in 2024, next presidential election or, you know, whatever, regardless of that, we don't see this kind of stuff change, which actually makes things a little bit easier for contractors to deal with. Because unlike things like, you know, we've done a lot of work on like the vaccine mandate, you know, that kind of stuff, it does make it, it makes a huge difference who's in the White House. This stuff, it doesn't. So it makes things a little bit easier for contractors to kind of have some predictability. And so on this one, again, unless something strange happens, we are going to see these increases. And so for contractors who are selling in that market, they need to be assessing now if they're not, if they haven't already been, I mean, going back again to the previous administration, you know, we were telling folks even then you need this, this is coming. 
you need to be preparing for it. And so you need to be looking at where you're sourcing your content from that goes into your finished product to make sure that you're going to meet these ever increasing thresholds. Attorney Jason Workmaster heads the federal contracts group at Miller and Chevalier. Thanks so much for joining me. Pleasure to be here. We'll post this interview along with a link to his detailed article at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.